You're listening to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, a show where your hosts, Darian and Ethan, discuss the controversial topics often avoided by the church. They also discuss culture, society, and everyday goofs. And now, Darian and Ethan. Yo! Hello, we're back. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast, the show where we discuss the gray areas of the Christian faith. Things, for example, such as maybe marijuana use. Yep. Um, Derry is leaving. Um, <laughs> um, Derry is leaving the podcast. This is how he's making his announcement. <laughs> uh, all you guys on audio, Derry just got up and left and walked out of frame for a second. I'm back. Uh, he's back. Oh, shoot. The door's not locked. That's all right. Oh, no one's going to come in. No, I didn't lock no, it. No, you didn't lock it. it. That's all right. Um, yeah, we talk about uh, things that, well, you don't hear in church, right? And so, Sometimes. So, yeah, Sometimes. Sometimes we talk about Most things of the time. you do here in church. Not usually. So we're liars. No, we talk about gray areas that maybe have been neglected or you, there's confusion around. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to bring the most biblical truth that we can without compromising, but done in love. Um, and with that said, today... Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, right? Um, today we're going to talk about something that is making waves in charismatic Christianity. Yeah, and, and has been for a long time. Has been for a while. Maybe the last three or four years. Excuse me. Yeah. Mostly like the last two or three, I'd say. Yeah, so. making strides and sales, and there's a lot of well, there should be a lot of controversy around it. A lot of people maybe more or less like this thing because it seems hip and cool, and maybe some he's opening his bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, more or less seem kind of hip. Like there's this big ministry you guys know called Bethel, and they're supporting this thing. So Bethel has a lot of influence. Stop doing. <laughs> Did you even see me? I, went, I drank it and I went right next to the mic. I was like, <laughs> I know. The people on audio have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Squeaking in a bottle. Uh, we're going to be talking about the passion translation, right? So, passion translation, uh, a little bit of an overview before we get into it and go deeper, yeah. is a translation of the Bible that has been created by this guy named Brian Simmons, who's mm-hmm. associated with Bethel and is promoted by Bethel, but not just Bethel. Bethel. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Hillsong promotes the passion mm-hmm. as well. Anyways, it's this new-ish trans well they're claiming it's a translation that's what we're gonna get into some of the controversy regarding that um most it, charismatic circles yeah mo- a it. lot of charismatic circles really like it and i believe there's some concern about it we're gonna, we're gonna discuss and dive into but that's part of why we're talking about it because this seems like it could be controversial or dangerous or confusing and so we want to talk about that understand what it is and so basically it's just this it's a it's the bethel's version of the bible not necessarily like the version yeah. they're trying to translate it but they're doing it in a way that has some concerns and raises some eyebrows, mm-hmm. not just by skeptics like myself, who are about 25 and, confu- and they're like questionable. You're not a skeptic. Um, you don't think I'm a skeptic? In the way that you're saying it. A skeptic would be someone who doesn't believe in God. I don't know about that. You can be a biblical skeptic. You didn't say biblical skeptic, though. Okay, well, I'm a Christian skeptic. <laughs> Even that has the wrong connotations, but I understand what Whatever. You, you guys know what I'm saying. Um... But even scholars, like a lot of scholars have reviewed it and yeah. said like, yo, well, this is... that's not true. Well, a number. Well, not a lot. Uh, like at least seven. Okay. Or at most seven right now. You mean it approved it? Approved no, 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 no. Looked at oh, it. Oh, okay. No scholars have approved it. That's yeah, yeah. kind of what we're going to be talking about too. But yeah. like, That's what I thought you were saying. No, scholars have reviewed it and said, yo, mm-hmm. this is a problem. Mm-hmm. This is problematic. Yeah. And so if there's biblical scholars who have serious credentials in, um, and authority in Bible translation and... Um, cultural understanding what's being said in the Bible, and they're saying they're concerned about it. We should take note of that. Probably, you know. So we're not just like two, basically. 20, he's twenty five. I'm about to be twenty five. We're not just two mid twenty year old guys like upset at this thing, trying to trying to. I'm out not it upset. 
and try to get some right and try to get some traction or like clickbait like this is a serious thing that people keep talking about so. yeah it's interesting so we want to talk about it you want to talk about just like what a translation of the bible is even in the, in the first place because we have all these things called translations right but like a lot of people don't understand what they are so we want to maybe talk about that a little bit yeah so in essence so obviously um if you didn't know this the bible was not written in english what yeah surprise surprise jesus is not white or american dun, dun, dun. um <laughs> well okay wait that's a different topic jesus was not <laughs> white <just> <laughs> Jesus, excuse me, dude. Trump loves Jesus. He's white. I don't know what that implies about Trump, but dude, who's Trump? Yeah. He gets out of office for nobody wiped that from the history. Books, I though, right? miss all the controversy, all the all the drama in the in the news about him. Dude, there's still a lot of drama. You just don't pay attention to the news. Valid point. <laughs> no, is it drama about Trump? No, Biden. I know, but I want Trump. Oh, okay. I know about the. I don't care about Biden's drama, <laughs> but it's it's still just funny. All right. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Talking about translations, mm-hmm. right? So, there's different. There's two ways to translate the Bible. So basically, you're taking only it two? from. Well, there's like idea. Well, in my I don't understand like idea idea word for word. Okay. But okay. There's like different ways to go. Oh, about those okay. Things, so you know? from that point, okay. Yeah. Um. So it's written. The Bible's written in like three languages, which would be like yeah. ancient Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, parts well, of it. Okay. Well, maybe not super ancient, but. The new he new Hebrew new ancient Hebrew new Hebrew is not what the it was written in the Bible. Yeah. So old Hebrew we can call it that maybe not ancient but old Hebrew, yeah. um, Aramaic parts small parts were in yeah, Aramaic. Yeah, small parts. Um, so not a mostly lot. mostly in the Old Testament. So take note of that not a lot of the mm-hmm. Bible is written in Aramaic. And by not a lot we mean like one word in a certain book and then like three words in a certain book and like one passage in Isaiah. Yeah, yeah, and, and then just like a very small amount in the Old Testament. Yeah. None yeah. in the New Testament, and that's a historical No, there is fact. some in the New Testament. Well. No sentences, just wor- some words. Oh, words. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. There's one or two words. Um, And then, and yeah, Old Testament mainly has Aram- or All the Aramaic is, or most of the Aramaic is in the Old Testament, but still a very small percentage of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And then there's Greek. Yeah. So those are the three main languages. Yeah. And so in translating. Which trans- is what we have the most of. Yeah. And Greek. so translating the Bible. What you what the scholars try to do is say, okay, so there's two ways you can do idea for idea, where you read a passage mm-hmm. that might say like, and Jesus went away to pray, but it might say in Hebrew something like different or or not Hebrew Greek, a different way to well Mark, Matthew could oh uh, no this part in Greek mm-hmm. too because of um, Hellenism, anyways. It would say something different that we would not understand, but they yeah. were basically saying, okay, Jesus went away to pray. So they would translate, Jesus went away to pray. Right. Whereas if the actual Hebrew, for example, said, and Jesus got up and walked to the mountain to pray, mm-hmm. the ESV or the NASB or the CSB, uh, these other ones are called word-for-word translations, mm-hmm. would try to make it as word-for-word as it can. So that's why they're a little yeah. bit harder to read sometimes because it's like, huh. I, you're just taking the he, the Greek word and trying to make it the mo- the closest English word. Yeah. So the idea sometimes seems cons- consu- uh, confusing, whereas with like the NLT or the NIV, mm-hmm. those are idea for idea. So they're saying, mm-hmm. how can we make this the most understandable language um, or yeah. commonplace English for to get the, to grasp the idea without right. changing it? And then there's the King James version, which is different ways to translate work based off different texts like Alexandrian or mm-hmm. um, Masoretic texts. And that's a whole lot of stuff in itself. Yeah. Do you want to yeah, talk yeah. about that? I, mean, I think you know more about the King James stuff than I do. Um, just to go off of um, what you're saying previously about, um, I already lost it. Um, yeah. So I'll just talk about, I guess, the King James version. We're going to talk J- about the word for word. The King James version, basically all versions, right, are translated from two different, like, sets of um, documents that we have, right? 
Um, on one hand, you have the Septuagint, which is all the Greek documents we have. On the other hand, you have the Masoretic, which is all of the, um, like, newer, old Hebrew, right? Because there's an original version of Hebrew we don't have anymore, which is, like, the ancient Hebrew. And so we have, like, the old Hebrew that they don't use now, but, like, because they have new versions, just like how we have newer English, right? That would be the older Hebrew. Um, that's sort of like the second generation of Hebrew. Um, so we have both of those things, right? And the... Uh, most of our Bibles are translated from both of those things, and we have thousands of documents, over 5,000 documents um, in total that like add up, and we take the summary of all of those. This is a really rough estimate, but uh, a summary of all of those, and then we translate our Bibles from those, right? Um, so that's how we get a lot of our different um, translations. And to kind of clarify what you're saying, I remember what I was going to say, about the idea for idea um, text, it's just like a they try to stay as close as they can to word for word while doing idea for idea. So it's not like you're just like loosey-goosey going off, like trying to explain it just with some idea. They're still trying to stay really close to the original um, way that it was written while communicating the idea instead of um, just sticking with like word for word, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why they're, they're not far off from word for word, tra word translations, but they, just do, they still do change a bit, right? Right. Yeah. And so that's where we get most of our, our new translations. Even um, the King James Version and the New King James Version have changed a lot over the years. Um, King James used to be pretty bad, but now it's gotten a lot better because it's been changed a lot. And it's just a different topic for a different day. But that's how we get a lot of our translations, right? They're translated from all of those old texts that we have, um, dating the oldest from 150 years um, before Christ to a lot of them are, are within a generation to several generations after Christ's death. So, yeah, mm -hmm. very accurate and uh, very close to the actual events. And that's how we get our Bible today. We can talk about that there for a go. long time, though. Yeah, there's but a lot. That's how we get translations, right? It's when when we have a group of people translating the Bible to us, it's at the very least, like say for the NIV, the NIV had um, a group of um, 200 different scholars working together. And these are all biblical scholars and and linguist scholars, um, people that are experts in Aramaic, people that are experts in Greek and in Hebrew, right? People that are not experts in all of those things, but expert in one field, right? Because it'd be almost impossible to devote your whole yeah. life to both of those languages. So you have to have people from every different field, and you have to have other people to cross-reference those people, right? So you have several different scholars in Aramaic to understand the different words that are in Aramaic and how to translate it and to understand the culture and have de dedicated like their whole life to to understanding Aramaic, right? Especially that, uh, that old Aramaic. Um, and the same for Hebrew, the same for Greek, right? And so you need a large team to actually translate the whole Bible um, into even just a, an easier idea for idea, like the NIV, right? Mm. Not even like a word for word. So it's a very, 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 very complicated process that takes a lot of people and a ton of time and tons of revisions, yeah, right? A lot it of is, peer reviews. It is not easy. Of... And there's like... They'll they'll have like a long they'll spend a long time like I've heard of like they'll have like one word and they're like hey how do we best want to translate this yeah and they'll spend like possibly days in debating meetings, about it. debating yeah. talk about all the implications about why it's important to translate it a certain way yeah what was and, going on culturally they have the most understanding like you're not talking about like sorry to cut you off you're fine not talking about like a pastor that like looks up in the strongs and he's like oh this word meant this one time so i'm gonna translate it this way right like they're not they're not doing that right they have like hundreds of people who know the most there is to know about yeah. these things yeah. right Big names. so like 
you could argue with them and be like, well, it was translated this way one time. This pastor, I heard this message go this way. And they're like, no, that pastor doesn't know what he's talking about <laughs> almost every time. Almost every time. And it makes me so mad, honestly. And, and um, like, this person knows as much as you could know historically about this topic. I, I almost... It's so hard for me to look at, like, to look at he all... He says, I'm not mad, and goes out of attention. Well, I'm not mad about this topic, know, necessarily. Know, know, I'm just mad about just pastors in general. Because <laughs> we, we, take... lo- we love the church. We love Christians. Yeah, love yeah but I don't like a lot of pastors. Um, and that's, that's just me. Um, they, we take so much liberty in giving pastors, like, just a strong... And be like, cool, you just say whatever you want about it now. Yeah. You know? Well, and and even, even saying, like, oh... Like this, this is, I, I promise you, this is what happens so many times. Well, real quick. Yeah. A Strong's is a, it's a tool for use for Bible study that shows yeah. you what the original word was and how it was used in different ways. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's good, but it's not the most accurate tool you can have. I'm going to be your youth pastor right now. And I'm going to guarantee you, this is how he translates, or a lot of times this is how he translates the Bible for his youth group, right? He goes to a passage. He sees something that might be controversial or something he can make a point off of, right? To get people fired up. He goes to that word. He sees how many times it was translated into what different words, picks the number one use for it, and then just goes with that one. And that's not at all how we should be right. using the Bible, right? It Maybe that works sometimes, but yeah, tangent, I don't know how to interpret the Bible. I'm not saying like I have the best like use for it. I'm just saying there are people who know as much as you can humanly know right now about those things, and they translate our Bibles, and they've done a great job. Yeah. Right? And it's not like... And this is, like, big committees over the course of, like, decades and then, yeah. then hundreds of years building on top of each other. Yeah. Right? And so this is not, like, small-town things or small-time things. No. And the reason we're talking about this is because we're all – what we're saying is if you're going to say you have a translation, it's important as to mean – to say, like, what you mean. Or if you're going to say I'm going to interpret or translate the Bible in a new way, that's a very big claim that requires a lot of work. And that is implicative when we mean – when we're talking about how this guy named Brian Simmons is saying he's going to translate the Bible into what's called the Passion Translation. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, if you're going to translate the Bible, what do you mean? Are you going to have a committee? Are you going to have scholars? Are you going to do this? Yeah. And we'll tell you right now, he doesn't. He, I don't think he has a committee. Maybe he has people copying him. But He's got a Discord, dude. Discord. He has a bunch Bro, of he's got a Discord. He's like, hey, guys, how... What would be the best way you want this translated? <laughs> All right, let's vote. Let's do a poll. All right. What, how should you translate? <laughs> what do your itching ears want? That's what we're going to... That'd be funny. <laughs> um, so here's how the passion came about. Yeah. Okay. And this is like, you can this look this good. up on YouTube. Um, Brian Simmons talking about how he became... You should look up Mike Winger and then mm. passion translation. And he has a lot more information mm. than we do. This is like touching the, the tip of the iceberg. Also, from what I've heard, Brian Simmons is a really nice guy. He's probably a nice guy. Yeah. Just, I've only heard good things about him in person. Well, yeah, you can be a nice guy and still do. Yeah, be I'm just saying, not trying. We're not trying to say anything super bad about him. We just want to do like an honest review of how we can understand the Bible and what is the Bible. And this is a popular translation, so we want to talk about it, right? We're not trying yeah. to slander a guy. Yeah, because obviously we slander not huge fans of the translation from the beginning, <laughs> just from our tone. No, I Keep love going. it, dude. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. Um, so he he um, brought this about, and he'll say this in his stuff. He says. I was in a dream and Jesus came to me and breathed on me and said he was going to give me secrets into the Aramaic language and that he was going to help me translate the Bible into and bring new secrets to light that never have been known before. Okay, so you got a couple problems there off the hop. Okay, he said 
he was going to translate the Bible himself. So he does this. Mm. He, he spends time reading and whatever form of meditation he's using to think he has these insights into Aramaic and like translating this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's by himself and he doesn't have like a committee, a, a team of committees. Uh, or maybe team he, of committees. that's not what I meant to say. Oh, brain's fried <laughs> today. He doesn't have a team or committee yeah, as far go. as I know. Maybe now he does. Now, if he had a team of committees, he had a team that'd be of, crazy. That'd be good. He had a yeah. bunch of committees, and they're all on the same team. That we want that. Or different teams, even. Yeah. <laughs> but a second problem you have is that he's alone in this encounter, supposedly a supposed mm. encounter with Jesus. Joseph Smith? He, question mark. Yeah. Right. Okay. That's another. That's what I was going. Right. Every cult starts that way. Yeah. I'm not saying that Bethel or not anyone, some of them, all of them. Yeah. Every yeah. cult. I'm not saying that Brian Simmons is starting a cult. Time will nope. tell. I'm not saying that Bethel's a cult. In no way. I think they're Christians. Yes. And so, I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. What I am saying is, he says that he was alone, and Jesus came and spoke to him about something new. That's mm. how every cult starts. Three, one of the biblical biblical scholars that oh, I was came watching, to him and also says that he has secret knowledge. Yeah, right? So that's it. That's secret that's the specific, knowledge. The specific yeah. thing that you get when you're alone. is like, it's more like gnostic comes from like you have yeah. a secret like mystic knowledge yeah that's how every has. cult was started joseph smith the guy with uh, jehovah's witness um mm-hmm. and other religions have this thing about like secret knowledge right yeah. so he has this one-on-one encounter with no accountability where jesus says i'm giving you secret knowledge there's no way to verify that and now if you say i don't believe you now apparently you're coming against god so mm. it's very easy to get power hungry and manipulative with that statement where it's right. like you can't tell me that because i'm validated by god and then no one can tell him that he's like didn't experience it. So it's like, okay, well, I guess you heard from God. That's why it's concerning because then anything right. he says goes after that, right? Right. Um, third is that he says, I'm giving you secrets that have never been known before. Mm. And I heard a really a biblical scholar say, you know, he said, as scholars, we're not trying to create anything new. We're trying to preserve the old. You know, I really like He that. said that? The scholar said that. Wait. The, the biblical scholar said, we're trying to preserve the old, not create something new. Oh, okay. But okay. Brian Simmons said... I'm, there's new things to be known. Okay, I thought you said Brian's. No, no, no. I was like, wow, Brian. I'm like, I'd be, I commend Brian. I'm like, wow, okay, maybe you're not so yeah. dangerous. Um, and so that's concerning, He's right? trying to find things that are lost. Yeah, he's like, there's yeah. new things that are like, and he says, Psalms is going to take you to new glory realms. Ooh. I don't even know what that means. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm going to encounter God. That's good. I, I want to encounter God when we're reading scriptures. That should happen. Yeah. Um, but right off the hop, right? He's alone. He has secret knowledge and something new. And it's like, okay, now, and he's marketing it as this like thing that's like super hip and you're missing out if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of concerning off the hop. That's what the passion is. It's a new translation. Yeah. And it, well, actually, it's not, it's not a translation. It's an interpretation is yeah. what it is. So on and, its on its website, though. Yeah. Well, he, on Bethel's website. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's Bethel's um, website. On the website for the book, whether or not it's Bethel's website, they list it as an accurate translation that you should that you can and should use. These are the words on the website as your main daily devotional Bible, yeah. right? Yep. So they claim it's one a translation that you should use it for study and that you should use it even as your main um, uh, your main like study Bible, right? So the the the, the highly and most accurate version of the Word of God. So mm-hmm. even a lot of scholars will will choose from different translations, right? But we usually go to like the ESV or something if they're going to do like really. Uh, deep study unless they know hebrew or greek then they'll go straight to the hebrew or greek if they're that smart um, yeah which one day i hope to be but one day yeah but um so they're claiming that it's that but um we're saying that it's not right that it's not even a translation because uh like we defined before a translation goes into either 
um, word for word or idea for idea, and this does neither of those things, right? Right. This is considered like a paraphrase. And what he does, yeah, and he'll say like, you know, this is one I was going to talk about too. Um, well, actually, I'll, I'll shelf that for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Brian Simmons. And I'm not trying to bash the guy, so I don't want you guys to hear that like we're just coming at him and then grilling him. We're just talking about the facts of the matter, mm. right? He's not a qualified in, interpreter or, or translator. Yeah. He claims to be a linguist. I'm pretty sure his his experience with translating Bibles mm. in the in South America, which he does, he did help in some regard with that, mm-hmm. but he wasn't the main scholar doing the translating. Yeah. He was helping the main scholars, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of he's not a he's not an authoritative linguist or translator. And even before that, nobody is. No one person should ever be allowed to translate a Bible, ever, mm-hmm. right? Because no one person is an expert at all three languages and all three cultures and in translating something from one language to another language, right? Yeah. There's so many things that are have to do with that. No one person can do it, mm-hmm. right? And so I don't care if you're the smartest person in the world. No, the most there is, like... There's no way, just as having the brain that you have and the time that you possibly have, that you could do a good job translating the entire Bible, yep. right? So I don't care who you are. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter that Brian isn't a qualified linguist, that he's not um, qualified to understand Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. He's not qualified in any of those things as a scholar, right? He has no diploma in any of those things. He has no formal education in any of those areas. Maybe he's done education outside of, like, formal institutions and has some kind of education in that he's never stated that um he did any of those things he just states that he's qualified but has no um like academic backing for that qualification mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah and and here's another thing that's problematic is like he claims that there's secrets in the aramaic text well actually what he claims because like we said earlier aramaic is like a very small minority of the words and the language used mm-hmm. in the bible um but he claims that he says that God is gonna, that gave him secrets into the Aramaic language that are going to change every, everything you've ever understood about Scripture and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Problem. A lot. The whole New Testament was not written in Aramaic. It was written in Greek, except for a few words that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. But he says, as when it comes to like Galatians, he says there's secrets into Galatians and the Ar- original Aramaic text that I, that God has shown me that you're just going to know. And he claims that. He claims that scholars affirm this, or that, that studies affirm this, mm-hmm. that the New Testament Greek manuscripts, manuscripts, Scripps? Scripps, manuscripts were second secondary documents to uh, second generation documents to original Aramaic. Text. <laughs> so he claims the entire New Testament. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There's a video. That's just ludicrous. There's yeah. no, but there's no evidence. No, for I that. know. He says there is, though, and no one facts checks him, so everyone thinks that he's okay because everyone... It's just, it's Sounds like uh, some... It's lying. ...tablets that were, <laughs> that were brought back by Sounds uh, like some a certain is. Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, so he claims that the New Testament had a, a original Aramaic text, and the Greek manuscripts we have now are secondary, second-generation um, texts to that, which is concerning. Um so he's making these wild claims that have no historical background. He doesn't have a legitimate um, background or authoritative background in translating. Mm-hmm. And even if he did, he doesn't have a team that he's working with to make mm-hmm. sure his stuff is accurate. He's just saying, God is speaking to me these things and I'm writing it down. Yeah. Right? So if now it's a singular thing, whatever he says apparently goes. And so it's so problematic. Um, specifically, we can see a problem in Galatians 3.28. There's a translation where in the... A word for word, it says slave nor free. 
Hmm. All right. So contextually in um, Galatia, that was a city in Rome, a Gentile city. Uh, all throughout the Roman Empire, slavery was very commonplace. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people sold themselves into slavery to get work or whatnot. And it says, hey, like I need or I'll, like I'll be a slave to you. And he changes slave to free from rich or poor. Mm. Right. And then there's a problem that because if Paul wanted to communicate rich or poor, he could have communicated rich or poor because there were rich and poor people in that society. Yeah. Right. But he said slave nor free, meaning, hey, it doesn't matter like if you are, are under the authority of this one person or slave to this person mm-hmm. or you're free, you still have the ability to live for Christ no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and what the scholar was saying that I was listening to was saying, this is concerning because he's showing his like bias and privilege as an American to say, to make slavery into like a rich nor free mm-hmm. or rich or poor thing where it's like, it's not about economic class. It's about like this person's a slave. And slavery still exists, and I think it like it could hurt the vast majority of Christians in the world who are slaves. There are slavery, maybe not vast majority of Christians are slaves, but slavery, yeah, slavery is yeah. prevalent in the world today in 2021. Yeah, in other countries, there's more sex, slaves than ever. Yeah, there's sex slavery, there's work slavery, there's so many different ways, and it's like disgusting. Mm-hmm. And to say to change the scripture from slave to free to rich to poor is just invalidating that. And I know that the Bible is not written to us, like Galatians wasn't written to 21st century Americans, mm. but it was written for the universal Christian of, mm. of the whole uh, time of Christianity, right? Mm. And it's just, it's concerning when it's written that Ephesians 6, 5, he changes slaves to the word employees, where that's not what a slave was. A slave mm. couldn't quit whenever they wanted. They were a slave. And so he's changing the word to, and he also changes another part. I think it's in Corinthians. He changes master or Galatians. Galatians, Ephesians, or First Corinthians, one of those two, changes the word master to, like, leadership. or Not like Colossians? Leader. No, I don't think it's Colossians. Okay. Could have been Colossians. But, yeah. Colossians 3 and 4, I know both. He changes those? Talk about that. Okay. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not. Yeah. But he changes something that has, like, it's about slaves, and he changes it about to employees, which is not about employees. Mm-hmm. He changes it to slaves to being poor versus rich. And there's these things that are there that aren't in the original text that he's changing. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's changing that should raise a lot of concern mm-hmm. if you have any love for scripture. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give an overview, because we started talking about the actual translation itself, basically as an overview of what this translation does is it does away with a lot of the problematic um, wording used. Like the actual correct translation of the wording is usually slave or master or even like religion. Um, so it, it takes the bent of charismaticism, um, which I am also charismatic, um, but it, it takes that bent that charismatics believe in, and it just takes away all problematic verses for it so that it's easier to teach that perspective on Christianity, right? So mm-hmm. it replaces words like religion um, to make sure people know that like it's all about a relationship with God, it's not about religion, which is unbiblical and unscriptural. Um, it is both about a relationship and a religion, right? Um, Jesus Christ promotes both of those things. Um, it takes away the verses that are about masters and slaves. When the Bible is is literally talking about the relationship between masters and slaves mm-hmm. to that culture, right? It's not written to us, so that's not why we're going to translate it that way. You know, it's written to those people, and we're reading something written to them, right? And we can understand it through their context. So there's no reason we should be changing these words because, just because they're problematic in our time, right? I don't think that's problematic because I understand um, that the... Uh, culture that that was written to and how it translates to today so now i know what those words mean 
that he was that Paul's writing to that culture, talking about slaves and masters, right? I understand what those things mean now because of that context. I don't have to make it the get rid of the word to make it okay, right? Mm-hmm. I've I've studied enough that I understand those things. But he wants to make it easy enough for like every reader reading it to not even have to deal with that. And that's nice, right? It's it's nice to try to make the Bible readable for everybody, but the problem is it's not the word of God, right? It's yeah. what he thinks, it's what he wants the word of God to be. And we don't get to do that as Christians. Yeah, we don't get to do that. It's just the Bible literally says don't do that. Like straight up. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not, not hard. And the day. Yeah. The Bible just says that. So besides that, um, Mike Winger has a really good list where he talks about all the different words that are used and how they're translated in each translation, right? And just to give you a good perspective on how this translation, the Passion Translation, is translated for Charismatics, basically, to affirm Charismatic theology, um, I'll read this little list of how different words are translated different ways. So... One, the Passion Translation is ridiculously longer than the actual Bible, <laughs> yeah, right? Can I, can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah. It has more changes to it. The Passion Translation has more changes to it than the Jehovah Witness Bible. Yeah, by a lot. By not by like a, a lot. lot. Yeah, by like a lot. Like the Jehovah's Witness Bible just changes the deity of God, and besides that, which is a big deal. Yeah, which is a big deal. <laughs> um, but like wording wise, not a lot, right? They change a couple words, uh, but besides that, it's super literal. Like too literal that they had to change it so many times. It was basically the original King James Version and was reformed tons of times because no Bible's been changed, I think, more than the King James Version, the original one. But it's also the one of the oldest ones, so that makes sense. But, um, uh, yeah, so it's super long, the passage translation. And so I'll read these list of words. So there's words like realm that are used in the ESV zero times, the New King James Version zero times, the NIV 10 times, the NASB one time, and the Passion Translation 196 times, right? And then there's anointed, which in the ESV is used 15 times, uh, New King James Version 12 times, uh, NIV and NASB both 10 times, and the Passion Translation is um, 223 times, right? So it's basically just affirming language that's used in charismatic circles way more than what the Bible has actually used those words in. Um, a couple more examples. There's things like um, activated that are in it, um, or activate a lot more. Like uh, activated is a super charismatic word, right? Like activate your gifts or activate your calling, right? Or activate the Holy Spirit's going to activate you, right? What does that mean? Like, like a robot with buttons? It's used all the time. Um, it's used 15 times in the ESV, 12 times in King James Version, um, 10 times um, in uh, both the NIV and NASB, but again, over 200 times in the passage translation. So it's just full of extra words, basically describing words a lot of the time that aren't in the Bible that he uses to um, like kind of make it easier for charismatic preachers to like say this is what the Bible says because this is like the correct translation for it and we're now going to be activated in our faith or um, we're going to enter the realm of the kingdom of God or <laughs> something like that, right? It just, makes the, it just makes the teaching points for charismatic speakers much easier, right? And I would say if you're a charismatic speaker and you believe in that theology, you should be able to come up with it from the actual Bible. You don't need this extra fluffy language to get to it when it's not what that Bible actually says, right? Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's all in all, it's concerning. Like, we should love the word of God mm. so much that if anything tries to change it, 
then we immediately are like, hey, what's going on? Or, or maybe not even changes it, because I don't think, if, if you ask Brian Simmons, hey, are you trying to change the Bible? He would probably say no. Hmm. He, I would hope he would say no. I, I would hope his mindset is like, hey, I really believe that this is going to be beneficial for Christians. Yeah. And so then you can say, okay, you can think that, but let's evaluate it, right? Yeah. And then maybe you could talk him down. Hmm. But there, there's a, we should take the word of God seriously and be concerned when people want to make serious changes for it that have really big ramifications for how we read it and how we understand it, mm-hmm. right? And the problem is I was talking to someone about it and they said, you know, they're like, it's not so much the passion that is like a problem. It's about the passion translation not the emotion behind love behind it mm-hmm. but he's like it's not so much that the passion translation is so bad but it's about what door or what path is this opening up or walking down to give way to a lot more progressive christianity that has a lot more serious problems in it yeah right because yeah. then if we're going to say oh we can change a word slave to employee mm-hmm. then maybe we could say oh it's not talking about homosexuals it's talking about pedophiles like we covered that a couple weeks ago right right and or maybe it's not talking about like um sex is before marriage is bad maybe it just means sex without love is bad i love this person so now i'm going to have sex with them outside of marriage and there's like if wherever if we're going to allow these changes to be made then there's no there's no boundaries to what will be changed and then everyone will try to justify what they want because then they can all claim i had this experience with god where he said it was okay Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, no. And as a Christian, if you think you had an experience that was encountered with God, I, I think if you encountered God, you would know. Yeah. One, I don't think that you, you would know. But First John, and this is why, this is so important. First John says to test every spirit. Yeah. And that's not a recommendation, you know. I'm going to look it up right now. It's the first verse in First John 3 or 4. So, and and, and we, it's not a recommendation like, hey, you should consider testing every spirit. It says... Mm-hmm. Test every spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So First John 4, 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then the, he gives a description of what the litmus, litmus test of that is. Mm-hmm. And so we should be testing these things. We should say, okay, you're making this claim. Let's go and evaluate it. Yeah. Right? And, and we just need to take the word of God seriously. One thing, one thing that also is kind of interesting or weird, which... I believe people could have encounters with angels. I'm not against it. Yeah, me too. I believe people... It happens in the Bible. Yeah, it happens. Um, but Brian Simmons claims that the... Oh, what did he, he claim that the Passion Translation got its name because God said, I'm going to send my angel with you to like help you, and his name is Passion. Interesting. And so the Passion Translation is named after this angel. Huh. Strange. If you create a translation, and this is a general question I just actually thought of, so you can answer. I never even thought about it before. But if you, <laughs> not you, but if, if someone makes a translation at, named after an angel and you follow that translation and, it, and it's named after an angel rather than God, would you say it's glorifying an angel? I don't even know. Probably. Because if you're glorifying an angel, then maybe you but might be you worshiping. You could say the New American Standard Bible and you could say it's glorifying America. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's uh, not named after so. America. We wouldn't, we wouldn't say, we oh, yeah, just say true. it's like an American version of English. That's true, that's you true. Know? And because there's the problem there because in uh, Colossians it talks about how worshiping angels is a big problem and you shouldn't do it. And so I'm just wondering about the implications of if this is named after an angel, is it glorifying an angel? If it is, is that worshiping an angel? Hmm. And I have no idea. Maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm reading, different topic. maybe I'm reading too much into it. Yeah. 
I think a really interesting part about how he translates it is uh, I was listening to Mike Winger and he said that they changed he changes the language of Psalms so much that the linguist the linguistic style of the book you know how there's different uh, ways of writing like there's poetic writing there's apocalyptic writing yeah. in the Bible right um, there's historical writing it changes it so much that it stops being poetic. Right, that the book is no longer a book of wisdom and poetry. It's just a completely different genre in in general of hmm. writing because of all the words that he adds. He destroys the original, um, like uh, literature, so much that it stops being the actual um, style of writing that it was at the beginning. Super interesting, hmm. crazy. Like there should be no greater um, like evidence that it's not the word of God like than that. Like you changed the genre of the book. Like, like, how much do I gotta change Harry Potter that it's not fiction anymore? Right. You know what I mean? That it's, it's like historical. Yeah. Like now uh, it's historical. Like now it's about the American like Revolution. What? Like how do I do that? Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. Like it's a lot. And it's it seems like it's not it, it's too much to be an accident sometimes. At least I, how I think about it. I'm like I don't think you can accidentally do this. And I don't want to say he's being malicious and saying yeah we don't uh, know his like, intentions. We, yeah, we don't know. And like, God's the only one who can f- call the final. Uh, statement on that or god can mm-hmm. only, god's the only one who can judge that finally mm-hmm. but like we can make we can look at what he's doing and and judge the fruit of his works and say okay is how is he treating the word of god and it's also concerning because he's selling each book individually by and so to millions of people so he's making a bunch of money off of it yeah maybe and so wherever that money's going that's not bad you can use your gifts to make money yeah but i'm just saying is he manipulating his gifts to make money or his platform? I don't know. I'm not. I don't want to be malicious or mm-hmm. or too judgmental and fall into sin myself. Yeah. But I do think we should take a serious, long look at this and wonder what are the implications. Is this, would God like this? Yeah. You know, is this honoring to God? How yeah. is this reflecting on God's character? And what? And that's why we need to know the Bible so we know God's character. We mm-hmm. need to know how seriously He takes the Bible. He says about changing His words mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's a big deal. And yeah. we should really question, hey, would God seriously approve of this? And Brian Sam would say, yes, he told me about it. And I was like, okay, but that doesn't make you right just because you claim it. Right. I mean, if he told you about it and it's scripturally inaccurate, then he didn't tell you about it. Yeah. And even in our court cases, if someone makes one claim, we don't, I mean, we, they're innocent until proven guilty. And we'll ta- if someone makes a claim, we'll analyze it. But we don't take one claim as truth. Yeah. You know, we had the whole Usually. problem with, well, unless there's evidence. You'll yeah. analyze evidence. but. And even the Bible says that a matter is established by two or three witnesses. Mm-hmm. And there's only one witness, and it's Brian Simmons. Yeah. You know, so it's like, oh, man, like, how do we take you at, how do we, because I don't want to say he's not a Christian, but I'm like, dude, like, it's just concerning what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I don't, mm-hmm. you got to, you have to see that. You know, you got to see that, hey, this is maybe problematic. But then he says, and God told me that I was going to be persecuted, and people were going to reject me and t- tell me I don't have any translating authority and they can't do this and like God told me all this would happen so now when it happens he's like oh yeah that told me that would happen but it's like yeah that's not a, I could tell you that that yeah. doesn't like if you said hey I'm gonna make this new translation of the bible By and myself. I'm gonna do, do it myself I'd say you're gonna get a lot of flack I w- maybe you could call that prophecy but I wouldn't call that prophecy I would just say that's common sense yeah yeah. it's like saying hey I'm gonna change the Oxford dish- dictionary and change all the words so nothing makes God sense God told me I'm gonna get a lot of flack for it yeah you're gonna be like <laughs> Yo, the American public is not going to take that. Yeah. You know, it's like, huh. And so, I don't know. There's just a lot of problems around it. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. Any closing I thoughts? I mean, I really hope the guy has good intentions, right? And I, I, I think it's probably not, like, um, malicious or anything. Uh, this is just an honest review of the translation. We don't know him personally. 
um, he hasn't answered a lot of like the criticisms that people have said about the book. Um, he has changed parts of it. It's also not the entire Bible. Also, um, he has changed parts of it, changed parts of it that people have had problems with, um, which is good sometimes, depending on how he changes them. Um, so we're just trying to do an accurate review of the book itself. It's my conviction that no one should read the Passion Translation. Um, maybe unless you want to, like, it's just in my opinion, people don't read the Bible enough in general. I don't read the Bible enough in general, and I read it every day almost, right? Um, mm-hmm. So if I'm going to even spend any amount of time reading the Bible, I want to read it the accurate version, right? Yeah. Why would I want to spend my time reading, like, an unaccurate version if it's not like a commentary? Yeah. You know, that doesn't make sense to me. So it's my view that no one should use it, and I would also have the same conviction about the message translation. That's another conversation. I don't think that's as bad. Um, but I would I still... say the message isn't as bad in the fact that they call it a paraphrase. Yeah. They, they, acknowledge you know, they acknowledge what it is. He's like, right? hey. And Eugene Peterson had legit um, translating qualifications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And, so, and he says, hey, this is not a translation. A lot of people say, oh, I love the tra-. I was like, He says it's not a translation. Right. The reason I don't like it is because he says that, which is awesome. And that's all mm-hmm. I need from him. But people don't know But everyone that. else takes yeah. it like Everybody that. else is like, oh, what does that mean? It's, it's a, a translation. translation. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. So I love what he does, mm-hmm. but I don't like how people take it, right? That's just yeah. why I would say people shouldn't read it, um, just because people don't know what it is, really. Right. Um, but yeah, big problems with the Passion Translation. Wouldn't read it. Wouldn't recommend it. Um, would point out to everybody that I see reading it that it's not good, or at least what it is, so they have awareness of what they're reading, right? And that it's not actual scripture, in my yeah. opinion. Um, and that's a big statement, to say something's not actual scripture. I am very convinced it's not scripture. Yep. Um, and every scholar ever that I've heard of <laughs> has also affirmed that. Yeah. That has talked about it. There's literally zero scholars that have said that it's a scripturally accurate version. Yeah. And there's and he makes bold claims where it's like, where are you getting that from? Like, no one, no one says that. So if you yeah. want some good resources to follow up and go deep dive, we've been mentioning this guy named Mike Winger a lot. Yep. He has what he's calling the Passion Project because mm-hmm. because no one's talking about the Passion Translation. He's like, oh my gosh, I need to create some resources so people can get educated. Yeah. And he has like a following on uh, almost close to two hundred thousand people subscribed on YouTube. Two hundred twenty-three. Yeah. Oh, he's over. He's over. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Good for him. He's a pastor from a pastor and Bible teacher from California who does live streams, answering questions, um, does a verse by verse series through Mark right now. And just like a really, one of them, like one of them, excuse me. Wow. That was gross. I just burped out of nowhere. Uh, That's so terrible (laughs) for me. (laughs) Sound like you're going to throw up. Yeah, that was weird. I was like, anyways, Mike Winger is one of the like kindest, gracious, most humble preachers of the Bible I've ever heard. Yeah. He's amazing. And he like, loves God so much, mm-hmm. loves God, the people of God so much, is not condemning, very gracious and kind, but does yeah. not does not um, compromise the gospel and, and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. His YouTube page is called Bible Thinker. He has an app. He has a website. You can go check him out. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I would love to meet one day. I thought about, I almost, I considered leaving YWAM to go work with him for a year. Hmm. He didn't, I never got offered that. I was just going to ask if I could have come work for him. Oh, interesting. I was going to be like, hey, can I come intern under you for a year, please? Just let me, like, huh. sit under your your tutelage. I just want to hear your and watch you live your life because you look so godly. Yeah. Um, and get that wisdom. And so go check him out. He has a lot more. He's the one mm-hmm. that's actually paying scholars to evaluate and, yeah. then, and put some more resources out there for free. All of his resources are for free. Mm-hmm. Um, so check it out. Mm-hmm. Read the Bible. Love God. Read the Bible. Read it seriously. Best advice ever. 
God is serious about you, and we want to be yep. serious about him in return. Yep. Um, he loves you. He cares about you. He has things in store for your life that you don't even know about. Mm. All things pertaining to life and godliness we've been given through Christ. Mm-hmm. So be encouraged. The word of God is serious and real, and we should treat it as such. Yep. And we should not play around with it with silly translations that seem hype. Yeah. And hey, you guys look cute. <laughs> you're looking cute today. Just gonna, just gonna say you're looking cute. So, have a good day or night. <laughs> See you guys. Adios.